A year ago, the world changed completely. We really weren't sure what businesses were gonna thrive, or really, let's be honest, survive. So I wanted to know how entrepreneurs and organizations were positively pivoting their businesses in this unknown world. Now it's been a year and people are continuing to thrive and come up with unique ways to have their business and have their organization do the things that they used to, but just a little bit differently. Welcome to season two of Coping 19. Okay, so we have been in this pandemic for over a year now. So many things have changed. So many industries have adapted to this kind of new world we're in. One being the film industry, we weren't really sure where it was heading when, of course, all film sets came to a grinding halt. All the work stopped when we were first entering the pandemic after the World Health Organization called it a pandemic. So we weren't sure when we would start seeing even new content. Uh, A lot of people were binging Netflix and other streaming services, but we're like, oh, when is this going to all run out? Because no film production was going on around the world for the first few months until we kind of figured out what was going to happen after lockdowns. Here in Vancouver, the industry started to heat up again back in the summer with of course, COVID protocols in place. But uh, one thing we didn't think about, well, at least I didn't think about was film festivals. Film festivals are such a crucial part to showcase those independent films, those up and coming uh, talents. Everything about film festivals is amazing. They are a great breeding ground for the film culture and something that we need. And so at least we're in the age of technology where a lot of them adapted and ended up coming online. Of course, that means then we get rid of the parties and the fun stuff and that social aspect of going to the film festival as well. But at least these films can live on and can be continued to be viewed. And the nice thing about it is this online element has allowed more people to watch these films and see them and and see how talented these people are. So, you know, there are some plus and minuses to this new way of doing things. And uh, that's why I wanted to bring on my next guest, which I'm really excited about because she is a former broadcaster. I worked with her at the traffic helicopter job. So I I love seeing where everybody ends up and kind of where their career path uh, changes. So I'm excited to interview Shannon McGuire. She is president at Pendulum Films. Not only that, she is a producer on this amazing uh, new short film, which is called Plantonic. And it's got some great talent in it. Like everyone in this film is talented, but uh, there has been a lot of buzz about the director of this particular film. And the director is Critcom Critchwarkool. And one of the actors, Josh Pyman, is also getting a lot of attention in this film. You might recognize him in one of the Netflix series that's on right now. It's on my binging list and it's called Tiny Pretty Things. So you might want to take a look at that as well. I'm really excited to talk to her about Plant Tonic and just kind of the future of film festivals and where she sees this industry going post-pandemic. So welcome to Shannon. Hi, Shannon. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you. I'm so glad that you could be here with me. And um, I always like to dive deep back, back before you were producing. I always like to have a quick Coles Notes version of who Shannon McGuire is and how she became 
a producer. So can you tell us a little bit of where you got your start and what led you to being a producer? And of course, now having award-winning films under your belt? So in, uh, in 2008, I had a bit of a calling uh, for radio. I was listening to the Kid Carson show a lot in Vancouver, and I used to call into the radio stations. And I used to get on the radio stations quite a bit back in 2008. So I attended Columbia Academy, and they uh, took a, quite a liking for, um, for my, my voice in radio. So I went through a year program, later landing a job at the Canadian Traffic Network, where I was above the sky in a you know, two-seater 172 Cessna with Kim Seal, who's now uh, working uh, with The Rock 101. She trained me. So I was uh, directing and, you know, guiding commuters, you know, part-time for a little bit there, Monday to Friday. I think what I liked about it the most um, was, you know, bonding with the pilots and Kim taught me the the level of how to be a traffic reporter. And I really loved being on the radio. So that took me into a wonderful career until 2015. And then I attended the Banff Media Festival, where I met a sea of executive producers that had this glow in their eyes about their film projects. And uh, I decided right then and there that I wanted to produce films. I basically, I met a lot of mentors. And instead of going the traditional route with academia in film, I went right into the field and started reading scripts. And after reading several scripts, I fell in love with one of them. It's called Free Fall. It was a short film, first film with Kritkom Kritschwarakul. And what inspired me to produce this because I was going through a bit of a time where you either go through this door or you go through that door. So what really inspired me to uh, produce this film was it was centered around a love story and ALS. And at the time I was going through um, losing my mother to cancer and just kind of thinking about like, well, what is my, you know, kind of going through the, the motions of, of mortality. And I told myself that I'm going to produce this film and I'm going to find a proper team. I'm going to research the content and I'm going to do this. That was our first film. We shot a pitch shoot for the film. It was a one day shoot with Andrew Jenkins and Chris McNally, who's uh, quite uh, into the Hallmark world in Los Angeles right now. So we all met, shot a pitch shoot and had a fundraiser for Freefall. And after that, I met uh, a financier that after some conversations and some rapport um, invested in the film. And so I secured that film in uh, 2016. We shot the film in 2017. And after, I, I couldn't get enough of producing. Um, so it was basically pivoting from one industry in radio to film. And it was an easy decision, but it wasn't exactly an easy road, um, but I wouldn't have it any other way. That's so great. And actually, I think a lot of people could learn a lot from you because your experience of shifting careers is kind of what a lot of people are doing in this pandemic. Because like I said at the beginning, film is still going on and, and it will always be there and it's going to look a little bit different. But there's some other industries that haven't picked up yet. 
like travel. And I know a lot of pilots and stuff right now, and they're not sure what that's going to look for them. So I think a lot of people, as we are going through this walk of life of COVID and are in different things like the restaurant industry or may own a restaurant or another business that might not be doing quite well during COVID, I think they could take a lot of lessons from you of like, it's terrifying to switch and and, and it's not easy to switch, but you can do it if you put your mind to it and you're able to find your place. And I, I think it's great. You did a great example of how to pivot in a time like this. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely not easy. Luckily, I got started as a producer when we weren't in, you know, COVID. And, you know, my heart goes out to producers that were like me three years ago uh, that are just getting started right now. And and we all want the pandemic to be over, but you really do need to contact the relationships that are in your world. You have to live and breathe your project in order for it to happen. And that's very difficult because, you know, you have to have another job and, and there's and there's family and there's all of that. But you really, really do have to sink into launching and producing one film at a time. Uh, and it's just reaching into your network because everybody is going through it. Yeah, I just think it's a good time because we're all running out of content. Like we constantly need content as, you know, a lot of places in the world are under full lockdowns right now too. So you got to imagine like how many people are still streaming content. Like, hey, my internet doesn't work half the time because I feel like everybody is just watching stuff. So I think this is the time to create more content because we need it. What else are we going to do when you're at your home, right? Definitely. Like this is the time to build content. And my advice is, you know, just, just keep making content, whatever that looks like, whatever that feels like, just, you know, keep producing it and just keep going. Uh, it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, it needs, it needs to have a, a beautiful story. Audiences need to connect. Yes. But just keep making that content. It's very, it's very important in this time. Well, with that being said, do you think COVID kind of was positive in the way for filmmaking? Because I know before COVID in a lot of industries were like, go, go, go. Like it's good enough. Let's quick. Like we need it. We need it. We need it. Do you think this has kind of taken people a step back to be like, oh, I'm going to focus on actually writing a proper storyline and really diving into it because I have time now to do that opposed to before we were all kind of like running around and be like, you have to have this product completed. I do. I think that it's a good time because we do have a little bit more time to really, you know, dive into what you want to produce and, and taking the time uh, to do that. So on that note, absolutely. Uh, I think that, um, this is a time to sort of get into your head on what you want to really do. And if it's producing or writing, if, you know, you could write something very beautiful because yeah, you don't have the static right now. You know, you, you, you just have the time. And I think that like, I'm really excited about the content that comes out of that because people want to inspire. They want to scare, they want to, whatever their genre is, they want to make that the best that it can possibly be. And yeah, because we, we have all of this existing time, I think it's going to reflect in the material and broadcasters are going to see that for sure. Just streaming services are huge at the moment because right now here in Canada, the States has them open, but here in Canada, we're not allowed to have any type of theater open, which, you know, hurts the blockbusters, but also hurts the independent 
films as well, because a lot of the local theaters, people would go and and get to see a the film festival, which they can still see a little bit of it online, but it's not the same thing. And now they're competing with everyone on Netflix and Disney Plus and stuff, because when you're at home, you know, you have that competition of people being like, oh, I'm just going to quickly use my remote and click here and click here. Do you think this is a little bit of a disadvantage to the independent filmmakers? Or do you actually think it's more of an advantage because people now will be running out of content as they're sitting on their couch or they want something different so they can literally plug on their computer and access these films a little bit easier? If you have the right contacts and the, the right motivations, it's an absolutely great time to create content and to write scripts and to get those scripts seen because there is a, a push for sure. And then, you know, leaning into what you said about theaters being closed, you know, this is an opportunity for film festivals. Uh, you know, they're, they've gone virtual. Everything is digital now. So that is an opportunity for them to collect more content and get more, you know, eyes on their, on their projects. So if you have a finished film, the best thing to do is to just apply to all of the film festivals that are not only global, but local, like in your community, so that these people that can't go into the movie theaters, it's it's heartbreaking that you can't grab popcorn and go to the theater right now. But there are lots of places that you can go. The, The film festivals are doing a fantastic job having more content, having, you know, Uh, very entertaining award shows, uh, going online more with their filmmakers. So I think that the advantage right now is with the film festivals, no, we can't travel, you know, no, we can't, you know, wear the floor length gowns and do the red carpet thing. But what we can do is we can see more of the films because they're virtual. Yeah. And I think you also made a great point too, is the fact that you as a filmmaker can apply to more film festivals because there are some filmmakers that, you know, might make their film, but they're not able to attend all of these film festivals, maybe out of budget or whatever, but it kind of gives you a wider reach now too. So it's more of an advantage to get your film out there. Definitely. And if you stay local, what's actually quite beautiful about it is that as a filmmaker, you will be able to develop um, a larger following with people that really love your, you know, your, your brand or your content. Um, I've been getting comments, you know, like crazy from people in Vancouver that are just saying like, you know, we loved your film or, you know, thank you for producing this and, and staying in, in the local community. And as a filmmaker, I've been meeting more people uh, virtually uh, than maybe I would in a film festival. They're in my hometown, you know, which is kind of fun. Yeah, I I do miss social, being the social aspect of the gatherings and and stuff at the film festivals. But I love the fact now that you can just access, if you're at home, you think about more like, I'm just going to attend the Vancouver Film Festival online because it's right there and it's easy access. I'm thinking, and I'm not sure about you, but I'm hoping actually like, yes, I love a good party a good red carpet. And I hope that continues when we do get the vaccine. But I'm also hoping that they do have an online component now to all these festivals, because I think they give access to people 
that uh, wouldn't maybe necessarily attend a film festival. So I really hope that they do keep it online for a portion. Yeah, I've talked to the film festival coordinators for a number of film festivals, and it's if it goes 50-50, I think that there's an advantage there because you can buy tickets for these films in blocks and you can see, you know, 10 at a time and they and they give you 48 hours or 24 hours to watch these films so you know as much as you know i love like a, a good cocktail party and handing out business cards and being a part of like the hustle and bustle of the film industry in the film festivals like i i do miss that um i have seen some advantages uh to the the virtual way when it comes to meeting people strategically um maybe um people that are sort of grouped uh, by genre of film and filmmakers that way and and I think that it's great for the audience because then they can they can watch more content um, that they want to watch and watch it with their family still having the popcorn but you're making it in the microwave (laughs) instead of buying it at the concession (laughs) yeah you can bring your own wine which I also like (laughs) (laughs) Uh, get a whole bottle but uh, you know I I really do hope uh, you know just you know film festivals and also not even that you're able still to access the smaller theaters because I've done that before to go just watch something totally different and go watch an independent film that you wouldn't necessarily uh, see at some of the smaller theaters so I really hope they find ways to keep them alive because I think it'd be sad that that some of those smaller theaters close and you don't get that experience to go watch an independent uh, or just even a short film uh, at those places, because I think they're a part of every community's history. And and I really hope that they stay alive. Oh, I know. I mean, there's an interview at the Vancouver Short Film Festival. Um, I was talking with this filmmaker and she was talking about museum theaters and, and my heart just broke a little bit, you know, thinking that maybe the theaters are, are going to be something that you know, like 50 years later that like that our kids are, are looking at like, oh, I remember when people went to the theater. And I mean, you want people to be there seated watching your film. You want them to connect that way through the story that you work so hard to produce. And, and it would it would be really heart wrenching if theaters were to go away. I don't think they will, but you're right. There's nothing better than checking out an, an independent film in some you know, run of the mill theater, uh, not knowing what you're going to see. And and it's just the best. I just love that. I love it. And, and you know, with filming, obviously there's probably going to be a little bit more different logistics before COVID. Um, do you think just in general, when anyone's making a film um, that these new COVID rules affect the creative process or change it more than it did before? I would say that at the beginning of COVID, so in March um, of last year, I would say, Yes, it it did um, affect um, some of the creative choices and writers and producers and directors had to pivot when it came to scenes that were very close together with a lot of people. And they did that in such, you know, beautiful, creative ways. You would never know it seeing it on the screen and watching, you know, Netflix of, of this series and how much they had to pivot because they were so good at it. Now I find that there is, um, there's been a lot of conversations, a lot of developments, a lot of technology that's been um, put together 
so that we can have a safe bubble production. And there hasn't been a lot that needs to change creatively, you know, obviously, except the safety of everyone on set. And that comes down to sometimes three, four COVID tests a day. So then in March, and when everybody got the news, uh, there were some creative differences. Now I feel that we're able to get pretty close to what we have on that script uh, to screen. Well, that's great. Yeah, because that was my biggest worry with just film in general is like, what kind of stories are we telling? And are we going to be able to tell them the same way that we used to be? And my biggest thing is like, I love romance (laughs) in movies. And I was like, are we not going to be able to do that anymore? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many different things out there. There's actually a sticker that goes on the actor's mouth um, that they... That's that some productions use. Uh, but yeah, there, there's a there's a lot of different things that, you know, we have to take into consideration. And yes, it's those close romantic scenes, which is so important. And I'm just glad that the first season of Bridgerton was filmed before COVID because <laughs> that, that is going to create a real problem for season two. And hopefully they're still able to figure out a way to do it because I just don't think it will be the same. But <laughs> no, and those scenes were sexy they're very sexy sexy. i can't (laughs) i don't know what kind of technology they could use in that scene i don't know um (laughs) technology (laughs) is pretty crazy though because i was watching the i watched drew barrymore one time and i didn't realize until they get up at the end and they try to virtual hug they're actually not in the same studio so it's crazy because you think that they're actually sitting beside each other and i'm like how are they allowed to do this? And then they get up and they show that they're actually in completely separate studio. Isn't that crazy? I know they're coming up with all of these like amazing ways so that the, you know, the audience doesn't see it, you know, but the cast and the crew, everyone is, is safe. It's, it's amazing what people can do when they put their minds to it. And when their creative vision is at stake, what they're going to do and how they're going to pivot and all the ideas that they're going to come up with. So it's like, oh no, we're getting this film out there. You know, <laughs> I'm just so glad that they are coming out of creative ways because when I saw that they aired a show and it, it's a scripted show on a major network and it's all about people in Zoom squares, it's actors, it's not reality and it's a scripted show. And I was like, I can't, there can't be like 50 more of it. Like kudos them for being creative, but I was like, I can't watch 50 more shows about people on Zoom talking about COVID, I'll cry. I think that people like when we're making films right now, I mean, it's, it's important, like, I mean, comedy, is so important. I saw this amazing film at the Vancouver Short Film Festival called A New Leash on Life. And it was so funny and so lovely. And and we need to laugh. We need to be inspired, but we also need to laugh. So the comedy market is really thriving right now, which is pretty cool. Going opposite of comedy. <laughs> um, we'll talk about platonic, which has a, a few little, I, you know, like it, it, there is some light moments in it, but um talk about closeness there's some closeness in that as well so it's a good thing that you got to do it before COVID but um I watched it the other night obviously not giving anything away to anyone but it was such a beautiful film and it was super unexpected like I didn't know uh, what to expect it on I love that and and uh, at the end of the film I left being like wow I didn't see it going that way 
And um, yeah, it was super cool. So can you give us like, obviously like your movie trailer synopsis without any spoilers about what Plantonic? Sure. And I just, I just got goosebumps with you saying that every filmmaker wants the reveal to be a surprise, right? So yay. So Plantonic is a romantic drama. It's a, a story that represents a metaphor of a modern day relationship and how that because of technology and us being busy, can die, can dwindle. There's a man, his name is Rain, and he grows a plant man named Pine in his garden. And they slowly evolve together. And the the metaphor basically, you know, it, it teaches us that nothing is forever. It's a very beautiful film. Critcom uh, Critchwarakul, you know, he he loves he loves his metaphors. And so I hope everybody enjoys it. I don't want to reveal too much, but that's what I would say about Plantonic. I love it. And again, like not to relate everything back to COVID, but I just thought that what you were just saying about like technology and spending more time with people relates to what we're all doing in COVID. And I think that's the biggest thing it taught us is like, take a step back, enjoy your family. People are not going to be here forever. I know it's scary to think about that, but that's the truth. And it's like, really enjoy those moments. And I thought that the COVID theme was not what you guys are going for because it's pre-COVID, but I really thought that in this time, it, it was something that definitely related to a lot of people. Well, I mean, we can all relate with relationships that have gone wrong, um, you know, maybe because, you know, we've made wrong choices or everything. I mean, it, it, it happens, it's life. So Plantonic is very much uh, hones in on that and it, it hones in on the innocence of love and how precious it is. And it goes into a metaphor of, you know, a plant because plants need to be watered. They need to be taken care of. They need to be talked to. And they're also, you know, very delicate and special, just like uh, love in a relationship. And that's what Plantonic represents. Love it. You're meant to be where you are. And I think you guys create gorgeous stuff. So before we go, I know that it's already streamed, but if people are wanting to see a Plantonic, is there other film festivals that you can say that it's coming up or wh where people can maybe potentially see this in the future? So Plantonic, um, we won't be able to uh, divulge where it will be next in this conversation, um, but we we do update uh, our followers uh, on Instagram. Um, so feel free to head over there. It's Plantonic Film. Awesome. Well, make sure you follow them because you have to see their film and then you can keep up to date too with like all the other great films that they're going to be creating. And yeah, I just love learning about stuff and your passion just comes through Shannon. Like I met you a few years ago and the fact that you're now doing this and and you're doing this through a pandemic like all of us and you still got this beautiful light and joy in you. I always love talking to people because I always think there's a positive in something and I'm glad that you have found your positive during COVID and even before that. I mean, I can't picture doing anything else, you know, when you say that, but you actually mean it. Uh, I've said that before, but I always have it in the back of my mind. Well, what about this? You know, th there is no what about this. This is it for me. So I'm I'm very happy and and centered, and I cannot wait to uh, to to bring just more beautiful projects with Pendulum Films and uh, and and just entertain and inspire and do all the things that you know a filmmaker wants to do. There's a purpose in it, and 
And I think that that's really beautiful. You need the right team though. So I'm happy to have mine. Awesome. Yeah. It's always about finding that team. And that's actually what I've learned throughout this podcast is everyone says it's all about the team. Once you have your dream team, there is no stopping you. Definitely. Definitely. You, you cannot do this on your own. Like don't even try because you can't. There is too many moving parts. There's like 150 things to do. There's, you cannot do this on your own. So the people that are already in your life might be your team. Who knows? You never know. And actually that's a good point to end on. I think like during COVID, if you are thinking of career switching, um, make sure you have that proper team in place, whatever it is, a mentor, a really good friend that's maybe in the industry that you would like to get into some people that you've networked with really make sure you have those people in your corner because it will make things a lot easier, not super easy, but easier. Mentorships changed my life. I have two, one's a little bit more hard hitting. The other one has a softer approach and they teach me so much. So I encourage mentorships. I encourage reading, just educating yourself about the industry. We have the time to do it. If you want to produce films, uh, the information is there. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. It was so lovely to catch up with you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I mean, I was really excited about this because, I mean, I've known you, you know, for a while, but we've both, you know, pivoted in very different ways and and I'm so happy to be here. So thanks for connecting. No problem. Thank you so much. That was another episode of Coping 19. For more information about the show, head on over to podcastconsulting.ca, where the show lives. And of course, you can find us on Spotify through that website, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the list goes on. If you want more information on how to create your own podcast or a podcast for your business to get more brand exposure, all that information is on the website podcastconsulting.ca. Or maybe you want to be a guest on season two of Coping 19. Feel free to head on over to the site and contact me, Jennifer Lee. Looking forward to speaking with you soon. Bye for now.